Hello and welcome to South Africa on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. I'm Neil Manthorpe. My uh, co-host is uh, Lungani Zama. Uh, South Africa on 99.94 is your new home uh, for South African content and uh, we'll be dropping into your podcast feed and YouTube on the 99.94 app several times every week, provided that uh, Zams and I can coordinate our schedules. So please rate, review and subscribe Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. Today, we're going to be talking about South Africa's uh, national team's coaching situation with Mark Boucher um, set to leave after the T20 World Cup. It was, um, Sam's and I have uh, touched on this subject um, in in days and weeks gone by. Uh, It was a bombshell. Nobody expected him to announce that he would be leaving after the T20 World Cup. His contract was to have extended to the 50-over World Cup in India. Um, and and you know, there's a there's an old saying I don't know where I first heard it um, that uh, in 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 all sport actually when a coach wobbles the team wobbles with him or her and I don't know that you know Boucher is wobbling but he's on his way out um, and I and I just wonder that I've got lots of, of questions we're going to talk about his potential successor as well uh, Sam's but maybe before we get into the effect that his unexpected and premature resignation has had on the team. First of all, um, what what's your perception of the coach that he has become in the time that he's been with the national team? Because, yeah, well, I, I won't give my view just yet. But but what 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 have you heard? The coach that he's become. Um, I think. Yeah, as opposed to the man who took the job. Yeah, I think. Coaching through COVID, much like the rest of the world will tell you that working through COVID and living through COVID does definitely change people. And obviously South African cricket had this additional layer through the pandemic where we're dealing with some some pretty meaty issues about South African cricket and its past and the way that it's been handled and the way that it's made certain players feel. Um, so I think... If anything, he takes away from this experience more from his off-field experiences and his off-field learnings um, than anything that was accomplished on the field. And there were things that were accomplished on the field. But I think when you have so much time, an unusual amount of time for cricketers, for sure, to sort of reflect and address you know, certain things that you were part of that maybe even you were not aware of, um, you would hope that it's it's made him a more rounded South African who's appreciative of the opportunities that he got um and 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 the opportunities that he still gets um and 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 has passed that on i think from what i've heard from players there were a lot of deep and meaningful conversations around just how sacred it is to put on the proteus jersey uh and became a lot softer um i think the voucher that the voucher the player that a lot of people got to know and respect for what he did behind the stumps and with bat in hand was dogged determined by any means necessary you know take a bullet for your country um the the coach and certainly the coach who leaves is somebody who's a lot more considered i've certainly heard of events that have happened off the field that affected the team where he's been 
emotional and outwardly, you know, in, publicly in front of the players. And even when they were saying goodbyes to certain team members, tears and things that you don't readily associate with such a gritty cricketer like Bob Boucher. So I think he's become a better South African or a better man um, and, and one who appreciates everything that the game has given him um, because of this experience. And, you know, wherever he takes that and Mumbai Indians, there's a lot of South Africans who are going to be playing in the SA20. I think it, it, it's something that he'll pass on to every other player that, you know, you, you're you lucky to do this. Um, I've done it and at the time I kind of took it for granted, but, um, you know, not his injury obviously was was a massive wake-up call for all cricketers and it's changed things and made the game a bit safer for those behind the stumps at all levels. And he was the unfortunate example there. But he's he's been the example elsewhere too, um, very publicly. Um, and I think as he reflects and looks forward to the SA20 and far less scrutiny and pressure, he will he, he will definitely say he's learned say he's on, on the field and how to play certain situations. He's learned a significant amount. Inflexible and dogmatic, um, uh, you know, are the, I, I think, the words that you were leaning towards. And, and I think that's changed um, quite significantly from what I've heard. Obviously, I don't spend time in the changing room. Um, <clears throat> just specifically, I mean, he's, he, like Graham Smith, but I think probably Boucher Moore, has, would have been tainted by the allegations or the charges of racial bias. Um, both men found emphatically not guilty. Um, but never mind what you and I thought about, and I think we have exactly the same opinion on whether the team should or should not have taken a knee at um, the last G20 World Cup. But Boucher's way of handling that um, when he said to the team manager or suggested to the team manager, Volvo, you speak to the black players and I'll speak to the white players. Um, uh, it, 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 you know, it, it, it does make you cringe. I mean, it's it's very clearly, you know, a, a distinction based on racial lines. I mean, I, I couldn't help thinking if, um, you know, if he'd said, I'll speak to the guys from the Eastern Cape because I get them um, and you speak to the guys from from up north and uh, um, what, what did you think? I mean, was that, I did wonder, and it shouldn't have been made public, I suppose, um, but it was interesting, wasn't it? It was, it, what, what, what did you make of that? Was that just about to being pragmatic and <laughs> unapologetic? I think after everything that had happened, it was just an incredibly clumsy thing to say. I mean, regardless of, what it might have been thinking. It, it's just bizarre. I mean, after all the water that had gone under the transformation bridge, which he was so much a part of, to then to then say that, I'll speak to the to the white players, you speak to the black players. It's, it was almost as bad as that picture when they were just standing there and black players one side, white players one side. It it speaks volumes <laughs> of, of, you know, whatever team culture that you say you've built, if if that's your answer, it, it begs the question, what have you actually learned then? Um, and I think that's, you know, that's a stain that you'd only raise because after everything and you've been proven not guilty, um, 
people will just look at that and guess, well, it is what it is. You you know, you can say what you want, but you know, actions do speak louder than words. And in that moment, that was a very poor action by Boucher. It was. We'll talk more about uh, Boucher and his um, potential successors as national coach in just a moment, but we'll take a, a short break um, and be back with you in a second or two. You're listening to Cricket's Conversation on 99.94. Whatever your team, we have the show for you on podcast, YouTube or on the 99.94 app. We have India, England, South Africa, West Indies and now Sri Lanka covered. If you want to find us, the best way is to follow us on social media at 9994DM by downloading the 9994 app or Google 99.94 on podcast. We speak cricket. So Mike Boucher was known as, you know, the Iron Man. Uh, he was he was the he was the pit bull, he was the enforcer, whatever you like to call him. And you know, when somebody needed to get under an opponent's skin, he was the man um, tasked with the job. And I have to say that he never objected. In fact, he would have been <laughs> the first to volunteer. Um, but, but um, you know, I think he he softened enormously. And and and, and let me be honest. Um, when he took over, and indeed during his first year. You and I know both interact with with cricketers enough to not to have to for them to express exactly how they feel about a teammate or or a coach. I mean, they you know they don't disguise their their feelings, and I I think it's fair to say, probably actually I'll go ninety nine percent fair to say that there was an enormous amount of scepticism and doubt. Um, amongst a significant number of players in that first year. And they had a, had a picture of who Boucher was. And I'll be honest, they may, may well have been right. And I'm as surprised as anybody to, to, to say that, um, that the way the team has come together and fought is as much of a reflection as, as the way he changed and the amount he learned in, in the subsequent three years, two years. Yeah, it was quite a period. It was quite a period for South African cricket, uh, quite a period for him as well. Um, and I think, like you say, he learnt and changed heavily. Um, and a lot of the players obviously knew him from the Titans. Um, you know, there were, there were considerations of how brutally was a training and how driven he was and how those who sort of shirked training or doing extra sessions, you know, quickly fell down his pecking order. Um, so there was, there was a lot of skepticism about where South African cricket would go um, under him. Um, but I think the one thing cricketers respect is if you can show the numbers that you put up because of your attitude, you know, it, it takes away a lot of the fluff of the conversation because I worked this hard because I accomplished what I, I only accomplished what I did because of how hard I worked. So I'm pushing you because I know what talent you have. And it's probably a lot more than mine. Um, but then when you stop playing cricket, but you still got to get together as a team because there's, there's other issues that you've got to deal with as a team, you, you start listening a lot more and you start talking a lot less as a coach because 
you're speaking about conversations that you actually don't have a lot of expertise in. And I think he kind of looked around the room and, and, and realized that cheapest. It probably was a lot simpler playing in the 90s and early 2000s for South Africa because all you worried about was facing Shane Warne and Glenn McGrath. There are so many other societal cha- challenges that the modern cricketer has, especially the modern South African cricketer, long before you get onto the field. Um, so, yeah, I think it's been a period of, 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 of time that has probably grown him immensely as a coach. Um, to be, you know, even if, as you coach in the IPL and you've got seven different nationalities uh, and 25 different personalities, you you kind of become a chameleon, which in in South Africa is crucial. But it's actually crucial everywhere else. That's why South Africans thrive, whatever they do in the world in terms of whether it's medical or teaching or going to play for another country. You kind of slot in because... We kind of have to do it on a daily basis. We, we've got to get along. Um, and he would have learned if he'd forgotten. He definitely would have learned a lot from, from the modern team that, that he was surrounded by. Well, as you know, but some of our listeners and viewers might not know, I uh, ghost wrote his, his biography. Um, and I, I have to say that um, I would, be, would have been the last person to su- suggest that he was capable of subtlety and nuance, um, not because he wasn't capable of it, but just because he was totally disinterested in it. So um, throughout throughout his playing career, and I, and I and I don't think he was necessarily, um, you know, interested in subtlety and nuance and. Um, when he took the job, and and so that's that's what has really surprised me and pleased me to see that that he he doesn't just he hasn't just taken that hard ass approach to everything. Well, you you know you've got to do you put in the hard yards, don't stop complaining, get on with it. You know you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You got, I mean he he has he's realised um, that uh, that. <laughs> Occasionally, need to to change your approach. I I actually chatted to one of the players, um, and the comparison that we landed on was Roy Keane, the pundit, who sits often these days with Mika Richards, who yeah, yes, <laughs> and and you know Roy Keane, old school, hard as nails, despises anyone who celebrates mediocrity or half asses, absolutely despises it. And there's a lot of Bauch in that. And Mika Richards is just just looking at you, he'll, you know, roar in laughter and he's he's just this bubble of energy. And they shouldn't get along because one is a Man United legend and the other one was a Man City star. Everything says they shouldn't. You know, take it further, one's English and the other's Irish. One's black, one's white. But their chemistry, um has has allowed a softer side of Roy Keane to come out where occasionally he even smiles and he cracks jokes and Mika Richards says <laughs> things to him that you can imagine young players who grew up in, in, in Roy Keane's change room at Manchester United says, you would never say that to Roy Keane the player. But Roy Keane the pundit takes it from Mika Richards. They've even gone on road trips. So, you know, evolution is a wonderful thing because as you grow and you realize that you've got to adapt to stay relevant, you do. And there's often young ones who 
in every possible sense you shouldn't get along with. You do, and and you find yourself, you know, once you open yourself up to to the opportunity to to enjoy and and have a laugh and actually not take yourself so seriously, but still take the job seriously, which obviously Keen does, and of course Boucher does. But you allow yourself to be vulnerable to you know to being taken the Mickey out of, and 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 I think that was a very good comparison because I see a lot of that in Boucher, and I'm sure a guy like Shamsi and a guy like uh, you know Kachiso Rabada, who you know. Call it as they see it, but they, they they like to be funny and they dress a certain way, which kind of things that Boucher probably just wouldn't do. But, you know, that's not your real job. So what you dress like off the field actually doesn't matter as long as you do your job on the field. But because you can sort of laugh at each other and how completely different you are, it brings you more and more together as a team. Okay, time for our final break um, in in the, the this podcast. After, after the break, we'll talk about... Um, we've, we don't have as long as I had planned, but we'll talk about uh, Mark Boucher's potential replacements. Um, and uh, it's something that we'll expand on in future episodes. So I, I won't apologise for it being cut too short. If you love the language of cricket and want more, then head over to the 99.94 app and you can hear all of our podcasts and cricket commentary. We're adding new shows all the time and covering cricket series from all over the world. Be the first to hear all of our announcements by following us on social media at 9994DM. Welcome to Cricket's Conversation. Right, we're back. Um, and Mark Boucher has uh, got a month left in the job. After the T20 World Cup, he will no longer be National Pro Tears men's coach. Um, and uh, the... the well, <sighs> As I just said at the end of the last section, um, it's something that we will no doubt be talking about <laughs> in several podcasts. So let's just sort of touch on a, a few sort of um, a few candidates. Um, Malibongue Maqueta is is my favourite. I don't understand how he's dropped off the scene. I, I, I do not understand. He was. He was SAA coach. He was assistant coach to Otis Gibson to the national team. It seemed to me that he was the natural successor, and he seems to have disappeared. I mean, he's the SAA coach at the moment, but they don't play any cricket, so <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. Um, there, there are some some other candidates. Uh, anyway, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I've always liked Mali, um, and I, yeah, I thought he was the natural successor at the time. Um, and I think a lot of people did, which is why Boucher was a surprise at the time. Um, the problem is, like you say, he's kind of fallen off because the team that he's in charge of doesn't play much cricket these days. And it's weird, much like a player needs to be in form and sort of be, you know, in front of you and, and, and visible. Coaches are about the same when, when these gigs come up. They kind of look and say, what have you done lately? And he's not done a lot lately, and that's not his fault. Um, but you know, he would be he would be a, a solid option. Um, but it's it, it's hard to judge a man who hasn't or hasn't led teams to play much cricket of late. Excellent domestic record, of course, um, with with the Warriors. Um, uh, what are they called now? Eastern Province again? Are they? Yeah. East, yeah, Eastern Cape, uh, yeah. Eastern Cape, yeah. We know where, okay, we know well, where they um, are. We don't you know, know he had terrific, 
Yeah. <laughs> Put, yeah. Okay. Um, so a couple of other um, options. And, and again, I think that um, Mandela Mashimbi has also got an excellent, excellent record. I mean, he's he's been coaching for 10 years. He played the game. He played, he played 50 first-class games and 50 ODIs or 48 and 49, I think. So he's got the playing credentials. Um, he's at the Titans, um, and, and 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 as like I said, he's been coaching ten years. Uh, he's he's forty one, which um, some people might say is a bit young, but but you know he but but he's not young in in coaching years. Um, and obviously, there's uh, Wendy Liguavu as well, who coaches the Warriors. But he's thirty three. He's the youngest coach in the history of cricket. Uh, um, so, so he he. Uh, but, but again, I mean, you know, he's sort of met with um, instant success. Uh, there, there are also um, options. Um, if if uh, the new majority independent board is um, persuaded by gravitas and international playing experience then i suppose we've got uh you know if they they want somebody who's who's got international cricket uh, under the belt then um robbie peterson and and alan donald even i will i will throw one name that you haven't mentioned who worked with the players a couple of years ago and every single one of them was pleasantly surprised at just how much they enjoyed it and actually Quinton de Kock was interim captain at the time because Fuff wasn't there. Quinton said, I, I, it's a pity that he's leaving because every single one of us just felt like we grew and we just felt like this relationship was beginning. And that was Lance Klusner. Um And Quinny even said he's, he was jealous because there were conversations that he would have with black players in Zulu and Quinny wanted to be part of them, but couldn't be because he didn't understand the language. And he, <laughs> He actually wanted to learn it so that he could give his team talks in Zulu. Um, and he's got international experience. He's got South African playing experience. He's coached. You know, there's that's he's there and he's always been there. And and, and you know what you get with him. He's he's been a hero to to many of these guys. He's got an SA twenty gig now, but you know, that's that's another option. Fascinating. Fascinating. Um, and and uh, I suspect that we won't just do one podcast in future um, as the hunt goes on for South Africa's national men's head coach um, continues. But, uh, yeah, I suspect we'll we'll do a couple. But for now, yep. Sams, uh, I am delighted to see that uh, your lights are on um, because the last three podcasts we've done, you've, there's been... There's been power cuts in Durban and you've been in the dark. Uh, they go off in exactly 28 minutes. So thanks for that, Nuenas. <laughs> okay, we'll get the pastor on quickly. <laughs> I will chat to you soon. Will do. Thanks for listening to South Africa on 99.94, Cricket Every Day. Please rate, review and subscribe. Download the 99.94 app and follow us personally on uh, at Neil Manthorpe or at Whamzam17. We'll put links up uh, to everything we do um, on the show, on the podcast and beyond. Also, follow our network at 9994DM on social media. Follow the podcasts and commentary from 
um, from all the matches that we cover all over the world. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation here on 99.9 We Speak Cricket. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo Jo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.